Welcome to another episode of the High Performance Fatherhood Podcast, where we help fathers move from fear-driven responsibility to high-performance fatherhood. I am your host, Troy Woods. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the High Performance Fatherhood Podcast. As you guys know, I'm your host, Troy Woods. I'm excited about today's episode because our guest today is somebody that I've been trying to make this thing happen for um, a while now. And it's, it's really me. I mean, it's not him because this guy's on top of everything. Um, he's I could tell he, he's about his business. Um, but I'm happy to have our guest, uh, Mr. D'Angelo Malcolm, uh, with us today to discuss fatherhood. I believe he's somebody that can offer us. You guys know when I bring guests on the show, it's always about offering value. Um, when I got this thing started, I said, hey, look, I don't have all the answers, but I want to talk to some people that can not only help you all grow, but they, but they can also help me grow as a father. So without further ado, I want to welcome D'Angelo Malcolm to the High Performance Fatherhood Podcast. What's up, brother? How you doing? Man, I am great, man. I have uh, no complaints today, except all them fireworks was blasting last night, man. What's <laughs> <laughs> Man. Like, man, go to bed. Why can't y'all go to bed? How how late was but, it? Uh, how late were they going for y'all? Man, they probably went to about 11 o'clock, man. You know, some people said it was going later than that, man. Look, man, at a certain point, man, let it go, man. But, uh, <laughs> you know, my, my, my brothers laugh at me. They always say, you know, man, you you know, uh, I have four brothers. And they, and they, are, they, are, they always say, man, you just don't want to. Uh, deal with them fireworks. You scared of them? I said scared of them, man. I just don't like that loud noise. Maybe I'm just getting old. Hey, man, look. The, the older we get, the more on edge we get. That's what I've learned. Like I don't like a lot of a lot of loud noises. I don't like a lot of crowds. I'm just like, man. Let me just do me and 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 keep it moving, man. So look, brother. You my brother, brother, mother. <laughs> man, look. I'm excited to have you here today for this conversation. Um, you are somebody that we've known each other for some years now, and you're somebody who I know is a straight shooter. Um, and that's one thing that I appreciate about you because, man, we live in a world now where everybody's about public image and there's so many people hurting um, because they don't have, um, what do you call it? Um I, I just call it truth. You know, people don't like to deal in the realm of truth um, as much as they did, you know, when you and I were growing up. So, um, you know, this show is about high performance fatherhood, helping all fathers move from a place of fear driven responsibility um, to where we're just doing things because of like necessity. Um, but to help fathers move from that to a level of high performance where we cover those things. But at the same time, we're living in an area of high performance in all of our life, whether it's our relationships, fatherhood, our health and different things like that. Because I truly believe that once we reach that level of high performance, we're not only better to ourselves and to our families, but we're better to our communities, man. So, again, man, thanks so much for coming on um, the show. And I'm going to jump right into it, man. I want to know because I know you have four children, um, two boys, two girls. I want to know for you, from you. What has this journey of fatherhood been like? Um, and, and I guess you could say, go to your oldest and let us know how long you've been a dad. Um, but what's this journey been like, man? Wow. First and foremost, man, I appreciate the invite here, man. And like you said, it's been a, a long time coming, but I believe it was for such a time as this that we're together. Absolutely. And I appreciate you, man, for what you do. I mean, I mean that in all sincerity. Uh, you know, we behind the scenes, we laugh, we joke, mm -hmm. but we we know when to be serious about what we do. And so, man, I'll tell you, man, uh, I really appreciate you. I was a little I was a little jealous watching you and your son go, you know, on the track with the bikes, man, <laughs> the trails. Rather. I thought that was so cool, man. I was jealous in a good way, you know. And so I just say, man, keep doing what you do. Uh, man, let me say this. Uh, my, my oldest son will be 29 this year. OK. OK. And well, you know, youngest, she's 21. Okay. And so it's boy, girl, boy, girl. Wow. I planned it that way. <laughs> yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and so the journey has been very interesting. Okay. I've been through some of the 
the highest heights and, and the lowest lows. Mm. And, you know, the thing we call fatherhood, you will not escape. When you do it with integrity, when you do it with intention, you will not escape unbruised. It's, you're going to get bruised. You're going to go through some turmoil. And I can kind of talk about that as we go further. But my oldest, again, he's, he'll be 29. He, he lives with me. Um, he, he has autism. And so he's going to be with me. Uh, and, you know, I, I've had people tell me, you know, maybe you should find a group home for your son. Mm. I said, are you crazy? This is my son. We're going all the way. And so because of him, he made me a dad. And I will never forget uh, being there, watching him come out. You know, you know, I was there. I caught him, you know, flipped him over because we didn't we didn't we didn't have a reveal party. You know, people are going crazy. With these <laughs> reveal parties. And so we just, you know, it was, we just figured it out when he came, you know, and yeah. uh, he was, a, he was a boy. I was excited. And, uh, and, but we went through some turmoil, you know, we went through some turmoil and uh, his, his, him being born actually helped save my life. Wow. And so, yeah, yeah, so, so, so talk, talk about that, man. Like when you say he helped, what were you going through during that time? Um, when you said he helped save your life, what, what, what was up with you at that time? Well, you know, when I grew up, I didn't have a lot of male role models who lived around me. You know, mm-hmm. I, I did live with my dad. I did grow up in a two family home, but we spent some time going, you know, from place to place. You know, we, we moved so much, man. I know people from all over the city. And so it was those times that, you know, we were separated, you know, cause I had separated from my family. I went to live with my aunt in the projects at one time, you okay. know, in the, and so it was an interesting concept. And so nobody around neither the projects or nobody around me, uncles that I can identify with were able, were, were really father figures to their children. And so I had to learn a lot of the stuff on my own. Mm. And so when my son, when he was born, you know, I was still, you know, kind of out here doing whatever I was doing. And so watching my son go through these he he started having seizures right around three months old okay and, and so before let me let me rewind that before he was born again you know out here I, I did everything you can think of it wasn't whether it's boosting selling this and selling that you know mm-hmm. all anything you can imagine to be able to what we call survive you know i had bought into that concept and thank god i was able to find my way out that tunnel but here it is. And so w- when I found out I was having a child, you know, I went to different people and I asked them, I said, you know, what does it mean to be a father? I was going literally wow. asked wow. and nobody could tell me. Oh, man. So, you know, it was like, you know, I'll, I'll go from from uncles and cousins and, you know, some of them laughed at me, man. It was just really weird. And so I walked to the library. The library was maybe uh quarter of a mile from my house you know I, I had no blueprint and so I went and got a book and the book was I will never forget so so you're going to be a father you know wow. so you're going to be a dad I'm sorry mm-hmm. so you're going to be a dad you know and I'm like wow so I started reading a book that was my first schoolmaster, if you will but being out there in the world and in the you know streets having a son made me grow up it made me respect a little more. Not that I had no respect, but it created a avenue for me to find myself. Mm. And so the streets were pulling me. I never forget one of my friends. He's now deceased. Actually, he was telling telling me, "Hey, man, we we so far into this game now that I believe you you're the one that can take us further into this game. This you know these." There's drugs. And I'm like, he said, you know, so many, so many people and they, and you influence people. Mm-hmm. And he said, I think that you are the one we need really to be out in the forefront. And I'm like, I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He said, you, you're the one. And so what he was really saying is that he saw leadership in me. Mm. I have always been a leader. Mm-hmm. You know, I, you know, I, I may have had some, some times when, you know, I had to figure things out to find out where I was, but I've always been a leader. And so when he said that, I'm like, okay, you know, I hear you, but that's not really the road I wanted to go down. My heart wasn't tugged there. And so when I saw my son for the first time and 
I understood the, that I have a responsibility that others could not teach me. I had mm-hmm. to learn and I had to learn from what they call special needs child. But I, I always say he learns different. Mm-hmm. So my love and compassion had to change. And so I had to really understand what I was dealing with. And so, man, he came along at the right time. And because it, it, I could have went down the rabbit hole a different way. So I just thank God that, you know, my son was born because if it wasn't for him, I don't know how far I would have went down that rabbit hole, if that makes sense. What's interesting to me is out of your four children, when you became a father and you mentioned that you didn't have the roadmap, you didn't have the examples around you. I believe that (laughs) you ran out the gate with one of the toughest challenges. I think that you can face as a father because as men, especially when we have male children, and, and especially if we, if we're able to find out before they get here, okay, I'm having a boy. Or even if I'm having a girl, your mind automatically goes down different pathways and you start thinking about life with that little boy, that little girl. So you kind of like, okay, well, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And then reality hits and it's like, okay, I need to adjust. What was that like for you? First time father and realizing, okay. This may not have this may not go according to the way that I have been thinking, even though you didn't have a roadmap per se. Right. As th- as time went on, as he got closer to getting here, what did did you find out before he was born? Did you find out not until birth? Like, did you guys kind of know ahead of time there may be some challenges? <clears throat> and how did you mentally prepare yourself or was it just like, Hey, we're going to do this as we go. Man, that's a great question. Uh, we had no idea what was going on. We had no idea that he was going to deal with any of those things. As a matter of fact, when he was like one, two months, Oh, he was progressing so fast that it was like, Whoa, this kid may, you know, he's gifted, you know, he's going to do some great things. And so like any other father, you know, when, you know, and I, and I use that, I use the the uh, I use the title father as a person who cares for his child. He cares for his environment. As a father, I wanted to be able to spend that quality time with him to watch him run, jump, play, and do a lot of, of different things, especially sports. I, I said, I wonder what he's gonna play. Is he gonna play basketball? Is he gonna play uh, football? What is he gonna do? And so here it is, I'm, I'm, I'm watching my child, you know, at three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months old who couldn't pull up and stand in the playpen anymore after the, um, he started having the seizures at three months. And so it, I, we didn't discover it until we were at church, actually, ironically. Oh, wow. Okay. It's, it's weird because I wasn't going to church really to, to find myself I was going with my you know with my girlfriend at the time and so I was sitting in the back of the church you know fresh out of out of the club the night before I'm like <laughs> yeah these are these people pretty lame <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know uh, how are all these young guys you know doing this but I but then it was it was times when God would remind me he said to me years ago that uh he said that I want to use you and, you know, you kind of sort of listen to that and you don't really understand the magnitude of it in the environment that you're in, especially when you're dealing with so many things in mm-hmm. your life. Right. Mm-hmm. And so the environment that I'm in, I'm feeling like, you know, this is not going to happen for me. You know, God not going to use me, I, you know. And I remember, Troy, I will never forget this, man. I'm, I'm sitting in my backyard. And I'm shooting baskets and I'm saying, well, I'll give my life to God when I'm around 18. And I'll never forget, just like we speak, and I remember hearing the voice of the Lord telling me, you know, you're going to get saved in my time. Mm. And so it took my son to show me and give me a different 
avenue of where God was taking me because in the, the route that I was going, it wasn't leading to him. It was leading in the opposite direction. Mm. And so as I began to grow as a father with a child with special needs, it taught me a different way to love. It taught me a different way to view the world. It taught me that, you know, you got to look a little bit different. And I'll never forget, and I don't think I've ever shared this publicly, but I'm going to share this here with you. I remember my wife and I were talking, and she said something to me I will never forget. She says, uh, um, I want to know if you're ashamed of your son. Mm. And she had tears in her eyes. I said, why? I said, why would you say that? You know, I was hurt. I was genuinely hurt by that. And she said, because you don't spend enough time. I said, you know, I'm working. I want to make sure that he provided for. I want to give him all the clothes and all these different things. And so she said, no, it's more than just the, the things. It's the time. And so I said, well, you got to understand I was never giving that, given that. I thought being a father meant providing you know, these things. And so she said, yeah, that's good, but it's the opening. She opened my eyes at it's the time too. And so I was thinking I was doing such a great job because it was things that I was denied. Mm. As okay. And so I, I, I purposed in my mind that this is what I wanted to give him, if that makes sense, you know? And so it was a, it was an eye opening experience for me, man. And so the, the, the dots began to connect on another level. <clears throat> Man, that um, <clears throat> I sit back and listen to. I go back to what you said in the beginning of how your child saved your life, but he yeah. changed it too. You know Absolutely. what I mean? From yeah, with the physical saving and 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 I think was a great part of helping point your life in a different direction. But then your relationship with God and, and changing and getting probably setting you more so towards your purpose. Yeah. And it's funny because one of the questions that I had mm. um, for you was how can we develop more patience as a father? Mm. So now let's transition to your other three. Yeah. And how do you think? Because it to me, man, just just being honest, yeah, it just seems like your son was just a blessing to you to help. You probably needed something that was going to be so impactful right away, not a slow burn. Okay, we're going to yeah. get it over time. I I got to change this right now. I got to change right now. So now you got three more kids coming. You got another son, two more daughter, two daughters coming. Yeah. How did your oldest help you prepare for your other children? Ooh, that's a, that's a great question. I, re, I let me, I got to lead in with this. Um, I remember when my son, they were asking me, they wanted to go inside his brain, my oldest son, mm -hmm. because of the seizures that he was having. He was having 13, 14 a day. Oh my God. They said he would never, they said he would never walk. He would never talk that he would be blind, that he wouldn't be able to hear, wouldn't be able to, you know, would be blind, which means he wouldn't be able to see. But also they told me that he wouldn't live past three. Okay. And so that went, led me to say, okay, God, I need you. Mm -hmm. I need you like now. And I promise you that if you can heal my son, I will serve you all the days of my life, if you can do this for me. Mm -hmm. I'm bartering with him, but not really understanding that it was all part of the plan. <laughs> do you understand what I'm saying? So, so I'm bartering with God. God is like, oh yeah, you, I know what you're saying, but I need you to realize that this is all part of my plan mm -hmm. because he required something of me and he knew that I was the one that can deal with the circumstances and situation because I went through the why me God why would you choose me to have a child with special needs he said why not you I would call people one of my friends I call him the wise man he a son who's learns different we have a community of people mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so he said he said what you what do you mean why not you this is what we do uh, and he says we this is what we do God picked us for this he gave us this assignment and I started looking around at different people 
And I said, I understand now, God. And so not only did my son change my life, he began to change the people's lives around him. Wow. So when God delivered him from this, that seizure that, that way, because he still kind of deals with it every now and then, but, but when he dealt with it that way, because we didn't have to give him, I would have to give my son steroid injections. I would have to, you know, give him all these different diets they was trying him on, all these different things. Mm-hmm. And so when the other, you know, so so now I'm dealing with next level. So when the other ones came, I'm like, okay, so let breathe, you know, breathe. And so my daughter came and she was so, you know, she was so inquisitive. She mm-hmm. came out the womb talking and cooing and talking. And, uh, wow. But it, it, he prepared me to love a different way, to be more patient. That's the word you were, you were talking about earlier. I began more patient and understanding. And so, you know, and then as the other ones came, my son, I began to somewhat live vicariously through him though. Through your oldest? My second son. Okay. Because my, my oldest son, Mm D'Angelo, we call him D. D was not able to run, jump, play football okay. and all those things. I got you. And so Jamari, he did those things. Mm-hmm. Do you see what I'm saying? And so now I, I get to push that time into him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But what ended up happening, so my oldest babe, baby girl, ja- uh, Chelsea, she's smart. She's and she's me. Right? <laughs> Super <laughs> smart. But what I found out about her is that she requ—I I looked at she was almost like a young adult real quick, you know. She wow. was helping us out with so many different things, and so now my baby girl Jasmine, now she comes and she, we had to learn how to not give her the short end of the stick either, because I went through every high and low in life, and so God began to mesh that thing together. And so I—I I, I will say, you said, how did that? How did that work? It mm-hmm. worked. We made it. I made it work, you know, we, and God led me through a lot of that, man. And he was the father that I never had. I had a father. Let me stop. Let me pause. My, I don't know if we going here yet. I, that, I, I, that's, I don't dude, you flowing. That's literally where we was going. So, so it's not that I did not have a father. I did not understand it. Okay. My father lived with us, you know, we went through highs and lows in life. I remember that I felt, you know, he didn't do enough because when we were at our weakest moments, it was my mother who was always rising to the occasion. It wasn't my father. But what I learned is that my father could only give me what he had. And so I was... 15, 16, I was, you know, working and, you know, providing certain things for my family, food and everything. This is what I did because I wanted to make sure that they ate. You know, my father, you know, he worked at Ford Motor Company and for all these years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, he had some issues and and then eventually was not there anymore. But I felt like he wasn't stepping up. Mm-hmm. And I will never forget I, I, my arrogance, my arrogance denied me the ability to appreciate the love that he tried to give me in the only way he knew how he took me fishing. That was his thing. You know, he taught me that, you know, so that's always going to be dear to me. He taught me certain things, you know, he's never been, I think he made a cane of one of my basketball games mm-hmm. as a kid. But, but what I found out later is that he could only give me what he had because his father never fathered him. And so I have to say it has to stop somewhere. And I, w- I will never forget my father had a paper route because he had an elementary education because in, in, the, in the South, everybody, he's from the South in Georgia, social circle, Georgia. My mother's from Meridian, Mississippi. They migrated here to go to the big three factories. And so my father migrated here. He came, you know, he worked at the factory. He did. But when that was gone, it was as though he probably was lost. And so with an elementary education in the midst of, in the depths of winter, I watched my father push a shopping cart through the snow from a distance. God allowed me to see this. 
And he said, it was as though God was chastising me and said, don't you ever judge something that you don't understand. Mm-mm-mm. And so then my respect for my father resurfaced. And so that, you know, that led to a lot. And then when my, and then he, when he died, my dad died in 03, he had Lou Gehrig's disease. And so, you know, he died, a, you know, what they call it ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. And I, and I will never forget the emotions that I felt because I had, that was the first eulogy I've ever performed. Wow. With my dad. Wow. You know, you know so that was a, I so have an experience and I never cried. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, and I don't want to cut you off, but I want to no. find out, did you ever have an opportunity once you realized <clears throat> that when you had that moment where God was t- telling you never to judge something that you don't understand, did you ever have time to go back and try to not reconcile or improve or get peace and and that relationship from from your perspective yes i I did okay as i got older okay my father and i we began to have a better relationship and i had never heard my father tell me he loved me until the he was on his deathbed and so i remember you know him telling me he loved me and that's probably why i tell my kids i love them all the time I, you know, hugging on him and showing, you know, but, but he, he in, when he was on his deathbed, he told me he loved me. And that probably kind of like almost broke me, you know what I mean? Because I never heard it before. And so he, yeah, to answer the question, he, we, 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 we reconciled we our differences. We, we began to get closer and where I was calling him every day. And uh, mm. I just remember just seeing his last days were really rough. And uh, I remember when my father passed, I didn't cry for a while. I didn't cry. And because I had too much to deal with, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What, I was the one that was keeping the family together. I'm the one who had to coordinate. He died at home yeah, through hospice care. Um, and so I was the one who had to coordinate him getting out of the house. And so I told everybody, said, look, we got to pray because my mother's not going to let y'all take him out of this house. And I told the people from the funeral home, I said, look, when we begin to pray, I need you to go get my dad and take him out. Mm-hmm. See, I, those are the things that that I had to do for the family, too, because I became I'm not the oldest, but I'm I'm looked at as the oldest, you know, and uh, I'll never get that, you know. But I, I remember riding down the street. This is months after my father died. I pulled the car over and I broke down because I started to feel the release, but I broke down. I started to feel like a, a human again, if that makes sense, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I started to realize that I did some things right at the end and, mm-hmm. you know, thank God that I did those things right at the end that, you know, yeah. <clears throat> man, it's, it's, it's really interesting, man. Um, I think you and I share a, some similarities in, in that regard, um, I remember, you know, when my mom passed some years back, and I'm the youngest, right? Um, and what I have found, like my family and my wife's family, our nuclear families are, our way of dealing with each other is completely different. They're, I always call them the Huxtables. Like they all in, they all in, you know what I'm saying? Um, my family, we love each other, but we've always, we've struggled with communication, right? Right. Like, and so what kind of, like what bothers me about myself a lot of times is I find that, um, I don't express some of the emotions that I should express from a release standpoint. Like I remember when my, it was, man, it was almost the same thing. My mom had um, been in assisted living for some years and, and it caught all of us off guard initially went in because of an injury to her knee and never came out. Like just, you know, I think she kind of gave up, you know, and then one thing, you know how it is when you're not mobile, one thing leads to another, et cetera. So when she got near the end, even though I'm the youngest, because me and her were so close and 
that's a story for another time. Well, because this is about you today, but I want to. I do want to mention this. Um, I was responsible. I was a responsible one as far as taking care of everything. Even when she went in there, we had to switch it from short term to long term, and that you need paperwork and all kind of stuff. But when she passed, I remember I, the first thing I said was, "All right, she she wasn't prepared for this, so we got to do this, 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 and this." And it was around the holiday season. I think we like the funeral was like the fourth of January, something like that. <clears throat> so I had to pull everything together. All right, we're gonna do this. We're not gonna do the burial site. We're gonna do the cremation, all this other stuff. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I realized I never cried. Right. Mm. And what got me was a guy that used to go to church with us when I was younger. Right. I still kind of was in touch with him on Facebook. But we we were never really friends growing up. We just knew each other from church. He showed up. Man, that dude hugged me. I lost it. Like, I just, it was almost one of those, and I can almost emotionally feel it now. It was one of those, like, I don't know what it was about him being there, but it was like, I felt it was like a release that I, I needed to have. But I still struggle with it, man, because I know in my with my age, I'm not gonna say I've gotten more callous, but I've gotten more black and white. Like I don't work in the gray a lot. You know what I mean? And I'll see things, you know how it is, man. You be watching a movie, there's a fatherhood moment. Yeah. And everybody else, oh, that's cool over here. And you over here, you fighting it back, like, man, what is going on? You know what I mean? Right. And I find myself going through that, man. So I said all that to say, I feel where you coming from with that man and i don't i don't i don't that's one thing i don't i know people say you should talk to somebody i get it but i just don't know i don't really know how to deal with that you know what i'm saying like it's just one of those things that i you know i, I love my children i'm very communicative with them but it's just i know it i, I think there's a door that i'm almost scared to like even open it a little bit because <laughs> i'm right. like i don't know what's gonna come out you know so um, if I could say something about, go ahead, finish. I'm no, I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I think, I think there's a chamber mm -hmm. that we don't want to deal with because it begins to expose things that we have shut the door on. Mm. You know, and so by way of example, you have faced my greatest fear. My greatest fear in life is losing my mom. It's my greatest fear. And when she had the stroke, I was at the, she had a stroke last May, the, the Saturday before uh, Mother's Day. Mm. And I, rem I remember her walking in on her own and coming out on the walker. And so it, really did something to me because I believe some things happened that I, I think in that hospital, but that's my point is the pain that I felt I could not be there to help her in that moment mm -hmm. because it's beyond help in a physical aspect. I can't do it. And so there I began to lock the door on certain things and just start going to help and help and help. But the emotional part that I never release is the fact that I was angry about what happened. I was, I was frustrated because I'm watching my mother. I bought her a, a new stove mm -hmm. a few months before she, you know, she had the uh, stroke and she was always saying, you know, D'Angelo, uh, she said, I love you. Thank you so much. And I just, she told me, you know, she wanted, you know, she would always be this mushy stuff. I was like, come on, you know, you're being all mushy. Come on. Mm -hmm. But man, I yearned for that after the stroke because she wasn't, she's, she, she has not been able to show me that same type of mm. wrap your arms around me and understand this is that, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that, that broke me, but we close chambers off for, we think we're protecting ourselves. But I think that I came home one time and I just broke down. T.D. Jake says something I want to share with you, man. He's and, and, and I hope this gives you some sense of comfort from a brother who understands, right? And who's used this 
he says after Elijah had Elijah had you know he had the strongest battle he went and killed all these prophets of Baal. Mm-hmm. And Jezebel said, "Well, that's cool, but I'm gonna kill you tomorrow around this time." And so he ran. If you remember the story, he mm-hmm. ran. And T.D. Jake said he ran to the backside of the desert. He said, every man needs to be able to go to the backside of the desert and break down so God can build him back up. Wow. And I had to go and break down so God can build me back up. So when I had to, when I broke down through this situation with my mom, it gave me a little bit more clarity. I'm not going to tell you that I'm all the way out the woods. <laughs> no mm-hmm. pun intended. Right. <laughs> but, you know, uh, but I'm, but I'm there where I'm able to, 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 to cope and deal with that, if that makes sense. And so that's where I'm at. So, you know, that was perfect. That was, um, that helps a lot, man. Um, you know, I just think as, as I was thinking about what you said about your dad and what he didn't have as a father, man. And, and I think one of the things that, you know, for for better or worse, um, even, you know, I never really, my biological dad never had a chance to really meet him. And my family did an amazing job, you know, raising me and, and, and trying to make sure my needs were met, you know, so I don't have the story of I had a, a, tough, a tough childhood. But as I got older, you know, it, it goes back to what you said in the very beginning about not having a blueprint. It's like you get into the situation that like, I'm going to do the best that I could. But then when you see, especially when you see other dads who they have a good lineage of um, um, paternal insight. So the yeah. grandfather, the father, the son and the grand. And you're like, oh, man, y'all just kept passing down. And it, it's like as men will always say, I got it, I can do it. But it's almost like deep down, you know. If I just had like, like if you see a deficiency within yourself, yeah. like, I wonder if my dad was like that, or I wonder, like, where is this coming from? Because you know we see stuff in our kids, and we kind of yeah, they getting that from me, or nah, that's your child, you know, or, or or whatever. And so I just think sometimes it's a, a it's a challenge, you know. Um, I, I definitely am grateful for my faith. Because I think at the end of the day, we do have a blueprint on how it should go. Uh, we look for the earthly blueprint a lot of times, which is how it was designed to work. It's nothing wrong with that at all, man. But I think through platforms like this, um, brothers coming together to talk about this, not that it's a fraternity or anything like that, but you come together and you share because we can lay out some type of maybe not blueprint, but a roadmap. You know what I'm saying? Okay. If you go down this street and you make the left and you go down this avenue where it requires maybe special needs, okay, yeah, we can talk about that. You know what I'm saying? Because you weren't expecting it. Or if you go down here and then you, your child, which is a topic I'm going to get into, your child is having identity issues or whatever. Okay, we got fathers that can, we could talk about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not the blueprint, but it is a roadmap. You know what I mean? It kind of help you get through. In your opinion, not saying your children have gone through any of this, but just as a father observing society, what what do you think some of the biggest issues that our children, our youth are facing with identity? Like, where is this coming from? It seems like. I think it's always been there, but a lot of our children just don't seem to have any not clue but they just seem lost and i'm like is that on us as dads like i I would love to know the numbers and how that correlates to family structure versus what we're seeing but what are your thoughts on what we're seeing in iu today if if you don't mind i want to say something about the latter thing you said first okay i mean the the uh yeah, the latter thing that you said. You, you were talking about the generations. You know, I see these people where I'm the son. 
I'm the grandson. No, excuse me. I'm the I'm the father, godfather, you know, grandfather. Mm-hmm. Go all the way up. I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. I've never spent a I never spent any quality time with a grandfather. Wow. And when you were talking, that this came to me broken branches. Because the tree is there, but the branches are broken. And because the branches are broken, we never know how how far they could have grown. Because the branches are broken. And so when the branches are broken, we begin to have to, as we grow, we don't know which direction to go in because the branches are broken, you know? And I, and I, and I, and I think That's good, man. I thought about this book I read <laughs> TD Jakes again, don't drop the mic. And he says something about bushwhacking. Oh, you got that? <laughs> oh man. I'm, I'm getting I, into it. Whoo. I'm going to tell you about five, six, seven times. I, you know, I got it on audible, you know, and I, you know, but he says something about, you know, bushwhacking, you know, when you go, you know, and I want to give it away. You just remember, I talked, talked about bushwhacking, okay. which is really finding a new path. Mm. I didn't know what the path was. Me and my wife were bushwhacking because we had nobody we can go to and say, Hey, you know, how do you, well, excuse me, back up. We had people externally, but not internally with family. Right. So we didn't know, we had to bushwhack our way through this thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so you and I are bushwhackers of sorts mm-hmm. because we still have to figure out how to get through this maze or this labyrinth, you know, of what we call fatherhood and, 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 and manhood. It all goes together. And, and it is kind of like you said, it's, I know you said it's not like it, but it is sort of like a fraternity in a way. It's like a, a, a group of men who understand. Do you understand? You know, and we, we share some common bonds. And so mm-hmm. I think the, the the hardest thing to do is for a man to do is to open his heart to another man because the fear of taking it and disappointing it. We mm-hmm. want we don't want our heart to be disappointed after we opened it up to you. And now you take it and use it against me. Absolutely. And so, you know what I mean? So, but going to the identity thing, I think I never in my life had to deal with some of the things that my children have to deal with. I'm afraid for society in the next 10, 20 years because very disappointed in some things that I see because it's already a, it's already something that's hard to deal with. We didn't have social media like this either. And so it's right in your face because now they're telling our children, you can choose to be whoever you want to be or whatever you want to be. Right. And they're getting lost in that man. Yes. And so they're getting lost in that identity. They're getting lost in trying to find themselves. I think that the identity thing is hard because it's already, you got those external things. And then just to try to find out who I am as a person, because I know what my mom's and my dad norms and values are, but what about me? Who am I? And I think one of the hardest things that I had to do is to allow my child to grow and not get in the way so much because I, I kept on saying, no, you don't want to do that, you know, because that's going to make you look this way. No, you don't want to do that because that's going to make you look that way. And so now we're dealing with the identity of choose who you want to be. And I'm confused on which way I should go. And so I think there are two different things, you know, two different roles, but they all lead to identity. And so I want my children to find out who they are. I just don't want them to hurt much, you know? Right. You know, and I just don't want them to go so far into a world that they don't understand. Okay. And so when and I'm talking about trying to find themselves, I don't, I'm not sure if that's the, the, the world you were going for the identity yeah. piece, but yeah, man. It, you know, it feels like society this. is just taking the family um, the influence of the family away yeah. and, and inputting it, for instance, I heard, a, oh, that's, that's, the, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm no, with you though. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard something, I heard something today. Um, and I, I don't really want to, cause people can search it up, but I, I don't, I just want to kind of talk about the general topic of it, but yeah. I think it, it. this is true of us as fathers. Um, we have people that want to live a certain lifestyle. Most of society doesn't care. 
Like, okay, if that's what you want to do, you do you. I want the best for you, right? But at the end of the day, you're an adult. You have to choose the path that you feel is best for you. I was having a conversation with someone, and they said, you know, even in the Bible it says you have the ability, I'm paraphrasing, you can make the choice, but choose life, right? You can make the choice how you want to live, but sh- but go ahead and choose life. It'll be easier for you, right. you know? And so I think what gets at me is I see a lot of the influence, influences now being pushed onto children. That's yes. where my biggest concern comes in because as an adult, man, look, I love you. I'm always want the best for you, but when you get, children are impressionable, and I believe that when you start dibbling, dabbling with that, to me, yeah. it looks like you're trying to persuade the next generation, or you're trying to influence instead of because there's certain conversations that children should not have in third grade. I'm sorry, like I, that's just how I believe. I'm like, look, man, like, why are we even discussing this at this level? You know, it seems like some of the stuff needs to be one on one counseling. You know, so if people have a question or understanding, one-on-one counseling, but then when you force it into the curriculum or you force certain things and ideologies, and then you tell the parents, this is the big one, uh, you don't have a right to really, you know, control what we teach your children. That's basically what it's come down. If your kids in their school, you don't really, you can't really tell us, have any influence on what um, we're teaching. And I said all that to say, When it comes down to identity, right, I believe identity comes from, like, what did we do before social media? What did we do before TV, radio? We we learned from our tribes, people that we were around, our environment. You know, you had an uncle that was great on working cars. (laughs) I mean, well, that was, that's kind of, we had TV and stuff then. But you had this uncle that was great at farming. You had this uncle that was, you know, he was an educator. He was smart. we, We learned from each other. Now it's like it's so much we're taking the community away. Right. And now it it just seems so systematic, bro. It just seems I'm looking at this and I'm like no matter what no matter what the topic is, I feel like children now I heard someone say this before, we're giving away too many participation trophies. Yeah. Because now you lose a job, you want to jump off a building. And it's like why it's plenty of other jobs out there you know so that was i ain't planning on saying that much but that was just kind of like the thing that was getting at me i'm like i'm looking at these kids on youtube and different things like that and they're 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 thinking that there's this alternate reality out here that exists and it doesn't exist that's funny me and my kids were just having this conversation last night okay and we're talking about what you're chasing, right? Mm-hmm. You're chasing after something. You want this thing to happen. You know, mm-hmm. you're chasing something that doesn't even exist anyway, right? Mm-hmm. This, this this world, you know. And what I mean by that is we're talking about the American dream, you know. Right. And so that that doesn't that that doesn't exist, mm-hmm. you know. And so as we start talking about identity, well, if I have to tell you, hey, I'm this. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're that, you know. Mm-hmm. That's on you. But why do you have to tell me? Mm-hmm. Or why do I have to tiptoe around you when I don't want my children to be involved in what you're involved in? I shouldn't have to tiptoe around that. But if you said that in reverse, hey, I'm you know? this, they'll be like, so? so hey, I see? saw that. Did you see that? Is it? It should have sent it to you. You know, I always send it. Right, right, right. But I'm like, if I come out and say, hey, this is what I like, you'd be like, okay. I love being married to a woman, you know, and, you know, you say that they're like, well, who cares? You know, I think that that's what society does. You know, right. and I think ooh, some things are a slippery slope mm-hmm. because there are some things that had it not been for a lot of political agendas in my mind to mm-hmm. push it the way they pushed it. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know, I don't want my children learning this alternative lifestyle as a curriculum right. it doesn't make sense to me right you know and so 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 what i i guess my point is 
if we don't make it a thing, it's not a thing. But society pushes it and makes it a thing. And now it becomes. And so now that it becomes, you can't stop it. But as a parent, no matter what happens, I seen a brother at a PTA meeting one time. He stood up and started reading the book that they wanted to read to their children in third grade. I think that was this early this year, I think. Earlier this year. I think I saw that. And they that. said, oh, you want me to stop? He said, did you want me to stop? Because it sounds disgusting. So imagine, you're, you know, I think the child, they were third graders. And when you used it, you know, talking about third graders, I remember some time ago, even in prison, they, they started looking at the test scores of third graders to see how many prisons they were going to build. Third wow. graders. And so that impressionable age, and I remember around that age, third grade, I was a, uh, I worked with the Cub Scouts. And so they were saying, hey, you better spend as much time as you can with your children now. Because guess what? In a minute, they're not going to want to spend time with you because they're going to want to spend time with their friends. They're influencers. Mm-hmm. And so now the influencers now are on TikTok, they're on, you know, all these mm-hmm. other social media platforms. Mm-hmm. And so it's cool to push another agenda because it, it's the thing, you know, and it, it's the norm. Mm-hmm. Now we're in a society of the norm. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's 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 crazy, man. And my and I pray for the children of my next generation. I really do. Man, let me ask you this question. Um, because this is the question I've been asking lately. What scares you as a father? It's not about LeBron and, and Jordan, right? No, it's not. We ain't doing that now. And I know a part of the world you from, so I know how that's going to go. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't have one. I don't have a goat. I just think you it's, already know. Anyway, we ain't go going there today. We ain't going to go there. <laughs> Look, man. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Don't get me all script. You're about to see a whole different beast come out this joint. Nah. <laughs> I'm gonna leave you alone. No, to play with you, man. I, I think it's all it's it's all game to me. I got my shield. I got my shield though, just in case. Man. Look, look, look. B two right here. <laughs> all right, hey, that's the truth. That's when we say, okay, cool, kumbaya. Right, exactly. All right, all right. truce, truce. So listen, man. I want I want to know what scares you as a dad. What scares me as a dad? One of my one, one thing that scares me as a dad, there's many, but one thing that scares me as a dad is that as my children go through their go through, that I won't be alive to see them come through. And so I use it in this aspect. All your children are gonna go, all you have two, right? Mm-hmm. Both your children are gonna go through some stuff. It's just the way it is. And it's going to be some stuff that you didn't think, well, this ain't my child. You know, I know I didn't give birth to this child, you know. And so it will, it, it's, it's to see them get through their go through. I want to be able to, my fear is that they, I won't see that. Mm-hmm. And I want to, I want to be alive to see them understand the things that I taught them. And I'm beginning to see it now as mm-hmm. they're getting older. And so, to, that's, a, that's a fear of mine. I don't want to die and not know that I, I I put something in them that I could see the manifestation of it. And, and, and God dealt with me with that. He dealt with me because, you know, some things were happening with my children. You know, I was going through some, it was really a, whew, I was in, I was in a, I was in a, a, a pit moment, you know, like Joseph being thrown in the pit. And, you know, I didn't think I could see ever see the palace, you know, in this situation with one of my children. And and I was walking and that's what I did a lot. You know, I walk or I might go to the gym or whatever, but I was walking. and I'm like, God, this is. This is hard, man, you know, watching what my child is going through and I can't be there to protect them. Mm-hmm. And God told me something I'll never forget. I'm walking. He told me, he says. You need to get out the way. Because you keep asking me to help them, but you keep getting in the way. Mm. You want me to deliver them and show them, but you keep getting in the way. He says, if you don't get out the way, I'll dry up all your resources so you won't be able to help. And Mm. so he was letting me know, I need you. I have to, you have to allow me to do what I do 
but you can't keep rescuing them. They have to go through something. Mm-hmm. And that is a fear of mine that I, you know, I had, I, I was fearful that I wouldn't see that. And so I had to renew a trust in God that he will allow me to see it. And I'm on the brink of seeing it, you know, right. It's, it's, and so I, I'm, I'm praying. I say, God, just don't call my number. You know, let me get to the, let me see this, you know? And so, you know, and, and I, and I don't want my, my children to ever, to ever feel like they can never come to me and be honest. You know, that's, that's, that's another fear, but that the fear of not being able to see them go through that goal come through their go through that that's fear man um that's powerful brother um i think we all want to see the journey completed you know what i mean um the other side of through yeah the other side of through the other side of through let me ask you man as we we um start to land this plane um kind of mentioned in the beginning, but I do want to go back because that is, you know, you can look on the back of the coin and see it for yourself. That is one of our goals is health. I want to know what this health journey has been like for you, brother. What, what's going on with you? How are you doing with some of your goals? Um, you know, what can you, what can you share uh, with the brothers about the importance of health um, and, and where you are right now? Oh, wow. That's a great question. So you, uh, beware of the yo-yo because I've been in a place and I think you've witnessed it where I've lost 85 pounds, right? Mm-hmm. And I was in a good place. But being in that place, you don't forget how you got there to lose it because I, I'm start, I was starting to watch all these people around me cheer for me when I did well. And I also saw him point the finger for me when I began to do bad again. Okay. So I had to really put it in my mind that no matter what happens on this journey, I have to keep going. So I would say no matter how many times you fall, you have to get back up and fight for your health because you can have the, the riches of the world and have broken health and you have nothing. You have absolutely nothing. And so I pray, you know, every day when I get up, when I go, I'm hitting the gym. I, you know, I'm in a good place right now um, since I've been on my journey for the last few months, you know, because the journey has breaks. And so I, I've, I've, my father did not reach 60. I had uncles who did not reach 60. And so my cousin and I, we all, we all talk about that. Mm-hmm. And so reaching 60, you know, I said, well, I'm trying to break that and go further, you know. Absolutely. And so that, you know, but the doctor told me something. I'm going to share this with you, man. He said, look, I'm going to tell you, this is when I was at 300. I probably was at 300 and almost 400 pounds. Okay. So you upper threes. Okay. Woo. Yeah. I was on the other side of he about to pop threes. You know what I mean? Okay. And so, he, so the doctor said, look, people. That's your size. Don't live long. He said, you got to do something about that. And so I, I went through, I, you know, I went through the process of changing my life and I went through the process of failing when I changed it because I thought I can go back to doing the same things I did before, but you can't. And so now is as I'm older now, I have to push harder, but brothers, you got to take care of your health. You got to get that prostate checked. You got to get, you know, the colonoscopy, you got to get that. You got to make sure that you're okay. Because if you don't take care of yourself, think about your children. They're going to hurt. You know, wives are going to hurt. You know, family is going to be hurt in this point because you did not take care of yourself. But I feel good now. You know, I, again, I have certain little, you know, as you get older, mm-hmm. <laughs> stuff you got to get through. But I'm better now. I'm in the gym again. And, you know, I, I found some type of renewed lease on life by being able to get back into the gym. I feel good, man, you know, about those things. Again, I have my normal <laughs> aches, you know, aches mm-hmm. that you may go through, but nothing that I, I'm looking at that will keep me stuck. What what has been your, your with this, your health journey, what have you found has been a challenge as far as like a stumbling block um, that kind of has helped you to relapse in the past? Not now, but in the past. Great question. Nobody has ever asked me that. That's a great question. 
being afraid of the scale. Okay. And the reason I say that is because when I step on the scale, I have to face the realities of where I am. So I had to step on the scale so I can begin to address issues. I had to address the fact that there are things that are happening inside of my body that if I do not address, they're going to get worse and not better. I think one of the most challenging things is to know where I was and to see where I am. You know, I feel better where I'm progressing to, but it was so difficult to get back up at times Mm -hmm. because of what I've experienced. And so I had to fight for me. I couldn't do it for, I used to win a lot of contests and, you know, you know, you know, you and I know how we used to be in, you know, companies together, health companies, the health companies together. Mm -hmm. and, And we would fight for these competitions and it was fun. But I can't do it for that. Right. I got to do it for the part of my life. And that's where I'm at now. I'm, I'm fighting for it for my life now. And that's diff- That's the difference. I think that's, that's a different thing. fight. That's a different fight, brother. That's a different, different fight. fight man. One thing I, I wanted to do. I, 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 I beat before. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. Go, no, go, right, go right where you were at. I beat diabetes before. Okay. And then it came back. And so now I'm fighting it again. I'm winning, but it's a fight, you know. And so my goal is to never, never take medication. That's that's I don't want to do. So that's the, that's the fight. I'm sorry. I want to know um, and stay in contact with you through this because um, I want to know. I believe that things like this is part of a support that we can build in the community in our community to help. And so uh, I'll be in contact with you because I do want to know what type of support, if we don't have it, that we can build in and help not just you, but just other people that, man, we most, a lot of dads, the greater percentage of dads are dealing with some type of health, something, whether it's just weight gain or whether it's just other things that's going on. And because we all hate to go to the doctors, uh, we don't, you know, most of us, um, we just, you know, drink some water and walk, you know what I mean? And think that's going to fix everything. You'd be all right. You'd be all right, man. You know, so, um, but we'll be in uh, contact with that. But listen, uh, as we close off, I want to know, and I ask all this, uh, ask this every time, um, we end the interview is what advice would you have for a new father? So you're going to be a dad. Yeah. My advice is to. Let me let me let me pause for a second, because that's a great question, because it gives me emotions because of what I dealt with. There is no blueprint. It's going to be some on the job training. Don't be afraid. To fail. In the beginning, don't be afraid not to be don't. Cross out being perfect, you're not going to be perfect. But what you do is time after time, get up and fight every day. Develop a strong prayer life that God will lead you and guide you, get you a support system. Find somebody that you can confide in and talk to in your weakest moments. And understanding that understand that when you get up in the morning and you have to fight for this thing every morning, remember that, hey, there are other people who had to Paved the same way that you, everything that you're dealing with, every emotion, every fear, all the anxiety, you're not the only one who's dealt with that. We all deal with it and we deal with it differently. Find a stress relief, you know, but love on your child. Look into their eyes and see yourself in them. And that's going to push you on this journey. And that's going to make you want to fight for them. That's going to make you want to provide for them. That's going to make you want to be a better father. And so my, my, another piece of advice, again, don't be afraid to fail because you really never fail. You learn. So you just got to keep pushing in that direction. That would be my advice. Man, that's awesome advice. Um, and we're going, we're going to end it with that one, brother. Um, right. Dude, this has been a very insightful conversation. Um, I I love having these conversations because 
you walk away not only knowing more, but you know more about the person more. And for what we do, you know more about the father and you you get some more tools to put in your toolbox. You know, even if it's not you going through something, maybe you get a tool that you can pull out some time to help someone else and, and what they have going on, man. So I, I really appreciate you taking time out on this Wednesday morning. (laughs) yeah to have this conversation with us brother my pleasure man thank you for having me absolutely all right you guys listen that's it for this episode of the high performance fatherhood podcast we'll catch you on the next one take care thanks for tuning in to another episode of the high performance fatherhood podcast for questions or to send us a comment please email podcast at highperformancefatherhood.com